You're listening to the Bro You Know podcast. A podcast hosted by two inspired wheelchair users that chat about their passion for sports and entertainment. I'm Cripple One. And I'm Cripple Two. Roll it. Welcome to 150 Real. Now I hear you asking, what is 150 Real? To me, that question is rather simple. It's a cra- it's a crappy podcast about movies, and how, yeah, and it's run by a cripple, which, yeah, gives you an extra incentive to click off the video. However, to to be fair, this podcast or what I want it to be is an outlet to um talk about what I love most. And apart from basketball, that is movies. So, um, let's get into it. Hopefully you guys like the logo. I spent ages making that. But I also previewed it on our Instagram, at Brayuna. No, I'll just put a social media slide in because I'm lazy and I can't look up our Instagram feed. So, with this really awkward intro out of the way, um, I'm just going, and I've already, I've explain what 150 or 50 real is um i will go into the show formatting so the show format hopefully it's gonna be once a week um starting with a very awkward intro like i normally do with the whole cripple 2 business then then on 150 real after very awkward intro you'll get the top five news feed then you'll get a movie review weekly then um after probably spending about 20 minutes on a film five to 20 minutes on a film review we will then go into our discussion topics and when this podcast grows hopefully um we'll be able to get to the point where we can do a Q&A where, where we but we all debate and talk about movies which we all love I really do sound hypocritical here then um, for us all nerdy and movie fans we will do a section called Film Fanboy Theories which will mostly be Star Wars, Marvel and potentially a bit Harry Potter related depending on how the fandom is and because this is week weekly we can quickly go over each week the box office review and then preview for the week ahead and then i will think of a very awkward outro to come to accompany a very awkward intro now for today's show um yeah, for today's show, episode one of 150 Real. I don't know if I've mentioned that already. If I have, you can probably kill me. Actually, don't kill me. That's creepy. Um, okay, so... So let me explain why I love movies, first of all. Um, I just love movies because... I think I think they're, they're a way out and they're an expression of storytelling that of course you can get storytelling in books scripts and in writing but 
I don't, and in theatre as well, but I don't think you can play up the experience of buy, buying a movie ticket, being there, being just rolling into cinema with your friends or alone. I don't know how you do your film, film experience, but I do it with friends. Um, yeah, and just ro- rolling into the cinema in my case for you guys walking, but and getting there, finding your seat, which for me, the disabled seat, which is very visible to me because I've got a wheelchair sign on the ground. It's very obvious, can't miss it. And we're we're at the front of the screen, so the so Cineworld or Empire wants to literally blind me. See, conspiracy theory. However, however, moving on. Like my love to movies comes as just the many memories I've got there, like for movies. The like just so many memories. Also, I've I've got to say, um, I love movies so much. Maybe I'm being deluded here, but I want to be a John Campier, a Robert Meyer Burnett, and I want to become a film pundit or film critic or whatever you call it, a Mark Mode, an Ali Plum for for us hit for us Brits. How and I really do see a future within being a film pundit and a film critic. Um yeah, so that's my basic love for movies I guess. I actually I actually will also for the fun fun and giggles I will also share an embarrassing story of my first movie experience. Um, my first movie experience was in France. Um, I think I was about six or seven. Yeah, I know very late to go to the movies, especially with how now you've got so many cinemas in both Europe and America who do deals or where where you can bring you bring. Like here in the UK, you have Cineworld Babies. I think that's what their plan is called. But I think as industry tickets get higher and the movie ticket prices get higher, you're going to get more of these family plans to come into the to come into the movie experience. And technically, if you're if you're fam if you're family, the movies are a great are a great way for 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 a nice time out. Same as the movies is a typical date experience, but my first experience with going back to my first experience going to movies, I think, like, don't quote me on this, but it was the B movie. I know the meme in itself. All praise to the B movie. Um, but it was the B movie, and I don't think I even got halfway through the alleyway or the path to get to the seats before I got blinded by sound my ears got blinded by sound and I started crying and I think my dad just rolled me out of the cinema very awkwardly not to make a scene see us young children ruin the cinema cinema experience it's a proven thing Anyway, so that's my embarrassing story with cinema.
or my first actual cinema movie going experience and it's one that I will always laugh about with, with my friends and, and my family um, yeah so the reason why I also set up 150 year old is because here bro you know it was always meant to be a podcast and then a blog but what what I what I will say is that we've had me and Cripple One have had a bit of time constraints and with stuff coming up with education that potentially running both a podcast and how very limited we can schedule that adding a blog to that wasn't very realistic in terms of us getting content out there if you if you know what i mean so when the opportunity arose on a that i could actually record a podcast about movies for 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 about for about the time I, time that i wanted and it and it could fit into my schedule that i just pounced on the opportunity or rolled into the opportunity nice disability pun there i know you guys are already cringing um so that's and what i will say for the blog as well is that the blog was always meant to be the home for all movies and stuff for all the movie news all movie reviews and it will still be the home for that but just imagine what 150 real as an audio format of whatever you're going to get in the summer when the blog is going to be released blog coming soon and that's the way i've put in my notes so that's the intro done or extended intro for today um we will go into um uh, this week's movie review which this week's movie review is um the sisters brothers which i had a chance to see sunday this should have gone out sunday but all this should be out sunday or monday but it'll probably be out on a tuesday or even at latest wednesday because i've just had to have other commitments before but you know life is life um, so back to to the Sisters Brothers, directed by a French director. Yeah, directed by a French director. Cannot remember his name. That's bad of me. I will probably just insert his credits while I'm at while I'm editing this. But it's a Joaquin Phoenix and John C. Riley led cowboy film or western film, uh, rather, and it follows the Sisters Brothers uh, during an adventure where they report back to to a to a, a guy in Oregon called the Commodore and how he the brothers do missions for him I guess and how they're kind of his lackeys and basically the story mainly follows both brothers but in particular Eli Manning played by John C. Riley, who throughout the film is the one that has doubts about 
his actions and and how they're catching up to him and how I think he slowly realizes as the movie goes on through his story arc that potentially this whole cowboy life isn't for him and it's a contrast to his brother Charlie who is that real gunslinger type that will do that will do anything for another payday and further on in the movie then that is explained through a very dark story arc first of all I've got to say that the opening scene where where the film opens on a really dark land or bit of land and then just one house and then you, you just hear like the voices of both Charlie and Eli threatening these guys in the house to come out in a standstill and then you just hear blazing you just hear blazing bullets and it basically the screen's lit up very nice effect to go from dark to go from dark just to that brightness of light and how, and how that zoomed in I know I'm not the best analyzer on cin- cinematography but I thought that was a nice aspect um yeah so the story opens with there and how opens there and how they finish the job they go back to the Commodore and then the Commodore wants them to follow or find this um, guy played this guy um, Herman who is a chemist who has found this formula um, to extract gold out of rivers and river beds more quickly therefore his his chemist formulae is heavily sought sought out after so throughout the film you probably have the Commodore himself and other gangs trying to find this guy to get the formula out of him and therefore they're meant to track him down at this point potentially torture him to get the to get the formula out of him and basically the way that the Commodore has this set up is a character the character John Morris who is kind of a bounty hunter I guess um, has already caught up to to Herman and has already kind of befriended him and the plan is for Herman to capture no for for John Morris to capture Herman and to wait for the brothers to come and then torture him and then kill him quietly and then dispose of the body and then that's the whole plot and it re- and Herman is played by Riz Ahmed who is a very underrated actor um, ve- I've only seen him in Rogue One before very good performance very um, sad ending and I think in Rogue One played his character Bodhi to to the emotional ending that it deserved with him really not being in the circumstance that he wanted it to be in and therefore making his death quite tragic and in in this performance yet again you could say you could say that Herman's um, story arc is quite tragic with how he goes from being being a loner to 
them befriending John Morris and then John Morris and him having the idea to not only get the gold but then from that gold set up this utopian society in tech in northern Texas I think and how slowly they just become friends and the way that they unfortunately come to their end is very poetic about how far their friendship has gotten and yeah so that so these brothers have a disagree so going back to the brothers they're given this mission by the Commodore to find Herman and catch up to John Morris who has him in Jacksonville I th- Jack yeah I think captures him in Jacksonville and that they need to get to Jacksonville in seven days and I think and the whole start the whole first act of the film is about them getting to Jacksonville and how yeah and them get and them getting to Jacksonville and the tribulations they have to Jacksonville and therefore then you have the whole you learn more about the brothers and and their dynamic where you've got Eli played by John John C. Wiley who's more cautious about everything that's going on and is, and we find out that the way that he got involved with his brother is quite dark and how at the end of the day although that their relationship might be complicated throughout the film that it comes back to this sense of brotherhood and him being your brother and just that sense of family which I think for a very gory western and a very graphic western I would say is a definite positive to the film that it was goes back to the same idea of I won't give up on you you're my brother and then all those connotations of that story convention yeah so and then on that journey Eli gets ill I think gets bitten by a spider or eats a spider therefore therefore is ill then you have the first real nice touch on Eli's character death with the, his relationship and um, or his or no or his friendship with his horse and how he kind of treasures, treasures his horse as not his companion but someone that he holds dearly and how on one of the nights where they, they, they end up going to Jacksonville that his horse gets hurt and therefore you can see how he's emotionally scarred by that and how he then has memories of everything terrible that Charlie did when he was younger and how it foreshadows the very dark um twisted backstory to how they became these gunslingers 
anyways, so they find out that um, both Herman and John Morris have become friends when they do get to Jacksonville. And it then becomes a chase of them chasing them too. And it becomes a whole new focus about because they they start to realise that Herman's formula is the thing that's wanted, it's not just them. And it becomes a chase. And through the chase that the brothers lose track, they kind of fall apart and at one point they even think about breaking up as in the, the, the whole double act of the sister brothers because because Eli's character always goes back to this sense of I don't want to do this anymore. We, d- I don't want to kill people. It's very much that remorse that you could, s- you could see, like an anti-hero having, I guess. But then I, then I think the more you look into this movie, yes, it's about the brothers, but I think it focuses more on Eli than it does on Charlie, because of how Charlie is a better na- narrative. Because of how Eli is a better narrative float to guide you through the story. And I definitely think that that even though they split up, it then goes back to, to the whole idea of them being brothers and him looking out for each other. And them trying to find... Herman, played by Riz Ahmed, and John Morris, played by Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, yeah. And then once they do find the... that, And when they do find him, or skip into the third act now, although in, in the late part of the second act, I will say, there is an awesome scene where... that was in, in the original trailer where... Um, the two brothers go up to this town called Mayfield and they spend the night there and then they realize that there's a bounty on their head because because they were looking for Herman and the Mayf- the Mayfield gang was already looking for Herman so that if they took out the sister brothers that they could get to the to Herman first and then you have a shootout which was brilliantly choreographed with pistol whipping and how how smooth slick everything that you would expect of a western and yeah it was very much and it was very very much in thrilling and exciting and then how ruthless but at the same time with and then they killed the leader of the town which was a lady called mayfield and then i think Although this film is a serious western, you you can always hark back to 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 the sim the simple one line of comedy that is normally play is normally um played by Joaquin Phoenix, who normally is that float 
for the for the one-liners because I think he has more comedic timing than John C. Riley. Although John C. Riley with Stan and Ollie, and then that's a comedy. But I think in terms of both characters, Charlie Charlie Sisters was the better vehicle to get that comedy out, and therefore, and therefore, and therefore, then there was aspects of comedy when they killed the Mayfield leader and Charlie forced Eli to make the speech to the people and how those people kind of revolted against Mayfield and therefore renamed their town because the actual gang leader was called Mayfield that's why the town was called Mayfield and it was like like Mayfield's dead you can call your town whatever you want and basically all the people rejoiced and it was quite funny to see on screen yeah and it was peppered with these one one liners that were really funny and then everything leads up to everything the third act which takes place where the gold rush is and in san francisco they finally catch up to herman and um to herman and john morris where they've already extracted loads of gold and then realizing that charlie being conniving is that he could seek an advantage of getting all this financial bonus with john morris herman and his brother while at the same while at the same time betraying the Commodore and that and then having the idea in the back of his mind of being the new Commodore which is a scene played out and being very emotional and how that and how that reconciliation between John Morris and um a Charlie comes about with hit them teasing the bromance I guess that's what I would call it and how Eli therefore admits to Herman that he's that ever since they've got to San Francisco that he's seen a new side of Charlie and that and then and then the actual climactic part of the movie which for me at this point it was where the film turned very very anticlimactic with the ending very confusing me I think what I will say in general is that this film is very well executed but its ending lets it down on two fronts because um, you have this point where all four of them are going through the the lake and how they put the formula formula in which is toxic and two of them fall John Morris Herman and Charlie fall in although Charlie only falls in with that with only his hand therefore frying not frying but burning his whole hand and really making him or making Herman and John Morrison, who both fell in, look like 
after their skin being burnt off their faces almost very much zombie like and that therefore they're ending with them end it ending up I would say very much poetically how although they weren't talking to one another they were using both Eli and Charlie as means to talk to each other and it really resonates with how John had problems with his father growing up and how he excluded himself from that and how Herman made him made him see the potential in a different type of world and how Herman and how John was was becoming Herm, Herman's only friend and how that friendship blossomed but because of their damages and the extent it burns their body they could they couldn't deal with it and they both no John, John, John Morris killed himself in a very emotional scene where he said I can't do this look at me along the lines and then and then Herman was just there blind and thinking he was talking to to um, John while in actual fact he was talking to Eli but Eli play played as if he was he was John and it was a very sweet moment but both ended in their suicide and that I felt was kind of rushed and also for, for, for at this point like um the backstory of how Charlie in a in a fit of rage against their father because their father at the start of the film we we find out is a drearing alcoholic abuse their mother and the typical bad father son relationship out of a moment of anger killed their father and then therefore from that point on they had a bounty on their head and therefore they started running away and both brothers came together and Eli went with him as a way to make sure to look out for him as the bigger brother which then always refers back to the theme of brotherhood and that being bro- being brothers even though you guys may be thinking not the same thing that your love for each other will always shine through no matter the situation which for both him and his brother was very much a situation of they came through it in the end and as now now although although this is the point where where I said it, the deaths and the suicides and then the, the revelation of the backstory is all good and now and the way that was presented was presented in a manner which you believed and drawed you in but from that point onwards where it peaked your interest peaked in their story um the f- the film for me takes a dwindling fall with how from that point 
they go to get Charlie's arm amputated and therefore Charlie and they kind of rush him trying to get to grips with being an amputee and how he can't be as good of a cowboy and how how he he can only tend the horses and that he won't be he won't be the one being being able to kill the Commodore therefore having the responsibility of killing on the mind of Eli and therefore Eli having to get to grips it, it, it was very much a whole scene done very quickly and, and manipulated in a manner that did not seem appropriate to the length of time it was given um, so they basically Charlie gets his arm amputated then they roll off back to the Commodore and big anticlimactic point Commodore's dead literally in an open casket and and therefore that was the real anticlimactic point of the film and I do not know if the director intended this to be comedy or intended this to be serious no by the reactions of both characters it was definitely meant to be humorous but the way that it was presented on screen definitely at least to the audience showed some sense of confusion because you built this scene rather quickly and rather very emotionally about how Eli was actually gonna have to be the one doing the dirty work and gonna have to cut their ties with the Commodore and for the for even though the scene was short for the audience to get invested in that and for then to get to the point where the Commodore was already dead then that to me was the point where you could have had your Avengers moment your Star Wars moment where it all leads up to this one massive event maybe a shootout with the Commodore instead for comedic effect I don't know why they just have him laying in a casket and all is tight all is naturally tidied up and then from that point onwards the ending is furthermore rushed with how from that point onwards they go straight back to their mother which their mother was never explained throughout the whole story she was referred to once or twice but no context was really given back to their mother and the only context they got back to the family was the father and how the mother got abused however however it then brings us to this situation where it's just awkward of how they go back expecting a greeting with open arms and they do get that they do get the, their, their emotional payoff for their journey and but it felt very 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 anticlimactic so in general I've got to say for a western very well put together what you expect of work western the gun shootouts were slick very very good debut by by the French by a by a French director, I cannot remember his name. I will put his name and his credentials in the video in the post edit. 
and yeah very good movie by John C. John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix. Although this is portrayed as the as a movie about the sister brothers, I would come to argue that point that it is more fo- character driven, focused on the on Eli Manning. No, not Eli Manning. That's that's the NFL player. Sorry, um, e- Eli sisters. Um, if I've called him Eli Manning throughout the whole episode, that will be the meme for the rest of, of my time doing this podcast. I will promise you that. But, um, this film is more centric to Eli sisters than it is about Charlie sisters or about the brothers. But what I've got to say, well put out, well, well put together film, very good. St- very good story arc for both characters How, however my, my two critics of it is it the ending was anticlimactic with how we got to the anticlimax and how the payoff for that was for, for me at least was not really there and another point that I would like to point out is that the ending was slightly rushed and aspects of the Herman John Morris friendship was rushed as well so I would definitely say very good Western by a direct by a director who doesn't normally do Westerns and very good film I enjoyed myself and if you like a good gunslinger shootout, feel good type of movie with, with drips and draps of comedy, I would definitely recommend the Sisters Brothers to anyone who, who's listening. So that's the movie review done. Now let's move on to your top five news feed. Um, first of all, your top five news feed. Um, the Star Wars leaked up. I will have a screenshot of that um, on the screen right now with my really fancy editing skills, very crippled editing skills might I add, Um, but yeah I know repetitive, repetitive, I can't even speak English, I'm repeating the joke I know, but the Star Wars leaked up. I know this is from a few weeks back but because I'm a Star Wars nerd. I still want to talk about it, and especially because of how their Star Wars Celebration, and therefore we will go more in depth on Star Wars Celebration on episode 2 of 150 Real. Be there Monday, listen to it, and yeah, yeah. So, I don't know why I said yeah, yeah, like a German. No offense to any Germans listening. Um, yeah. So, the leaked art. Why? Why will say? Really good-looking posters. Doesn't give us any details on the film, which I like. It's hidden. Although it does get, give us a hint that the Knights of Ren will finally show up after years and years of being hidden by being referenced to and seen for a few seconds in the Force Awakens. Not even being not even being mentioned in episode in episode eight. To being 
to now being mentioned in episode 9. Which, hallelujah. Then, then we get a look at um, CP3O with the bowcaster, which looks epic. I will, I will want that on a t-shirt. Anyone at Lucasfilm listening, get that on a t-shirt, please. The cripples ask, the cripple will get. Apart from my cripple demands, I, I will say that I'm, I am very impressed by the posters. Although it's very reminiscent of how it's very much get everyone on the poster, like episode episode seven style, get everyone on the poster and preview every character. Well, I will say Carrie Carrie Russell's character, Lando, are my highlights. Carrie Russell will most likely be playing a bounty hunter character, and I can't wait because in the American she's great. She can already play a spy. And there's not really much difference between a spy and a bounty hunter. So guess what? I am really excited for Kerry Russell's character. Anyway, moving on. Um, to my next point. The MCU posters and the whole the whole Avengers Endgame in general. First of all, I'd, I haven't got my, my tickets for opening night here in Britain. I will try and do that. We Basically, my plans are to go up and see Cripple 1 and we, we go to see it and then we record a special hour, hour 150 reel just dissecting everything that we've seen and theorizing what could be next for the MCU which we are about to do in the next section however the MCU released these posters which showed the alive and the dead and everything that we know the one surprise for me was Shuri because although Shuri was was an Easter egg in one of the trailers, we didn't look hard enough. Nice to see the Valkyries back, but but what well, I will say for the meme, Korg, where is Korg? I um we didn't see on the we didn't see him on the Asgardian ship, so might suggest he's dead, but I don't think he's dead. As my fellow uh, film reviewer John Campier said, I do believe that he is somewhere doing his own thing, protecting the rest of the pro- protecting the rest of the, the saved Asgardians. That, so Valkyrie's back, nice to see, and I will just flash them up on there because it's a very nice notion, and especially with how Stanley and stuff and and. How you saw this, that one Stanley edit? Maybe, maybe we need to get one for this uh, po- for one, one for this podcast because I think it might already be dead. See, that's very optimistic. Or you get one for me and Cri- one for me for me and Cripple One. Very funny. Anyway, the MCU living posters. I will put them up there. Really enjoy them. Just it really heightens the promotion for Avengers Endgame so that's the whole Avengers poster phenomenon slash Star Wars posters slash everything is owned by Disney and nowadays Fox merger gonna be announced at CinemaCon actually and that is a nice segue into our next topic which is um, 
CinemaCon. For you, for you guys who don't know, CinemaCon is when all the big movie studios um, come together in front of journalists, um, media, and and cinemas or cinema owners to show to show them their upcoming schedule for the year, and then the cinema distributors or all the cinemas themselves can decide how many cin all the cinema chains can decide how many cinemas they put their movies into. So you you had all the big studios, um, you had Disney, you had Warner Brothers, you. Had, I don't want to say Fox because now, now because Fox used to be lo- there last year, but now it's Disney and Fox. You have Warner Brothers, Paramount, Netflix is in there. You have Anaheim Pictures. And you, and then everything Fox Searchlight comes under Fox. So yeah, you had CinemaCon, and um, we will go more in depth on CinemaCon in the discussion topics. Yeah, so so in the newsfeed, you you have CinemaCon. Next up. So that's CinemaCon wrapped up. Um, no, actually, we will go more in depth with what you might call it um, in the discussion topics. So, so now moving on to Eternals. If you didn't know, Eternals is probably the next MCU franchise, cosmic universe type thing to be released. Um, I do not know their origin. I know loosely that they are in the cosmic universe, and they have some type of relations to Guardians of the Galaxy, and that's realistically all I know about the cosmic universe. So don't like if you really want a good explanation of what um, the cosmic universe is and the Eternals. Go go to um, John Campier's YouTube channel on the on the video of of um, the Eternals cast, and Robert Meyer Burnett does a cracking explanation of what the Eternals is. Let's say I know it briefly. I just I just don't know the advanced details of it. But can can Neil Nanjiani from from the big sick um, c- comedy and from upcoming films such as Stuber with Dave Batista is starring in it with Angelina or is in talks to star in with Angel- Angelina Jolie and for me like this Eternals cast is really becoming star studded with first of all having an Academy Award winner in Angelina Jolie and realistically that being the point of emphasis to how the MCU is growing in terms of influence within the Hollywood landscape and I think the same can be said although to a lesser extent with Star Wars so I think it's definitely a good addition to um, to Eternals it just adds up 
to to what I think the cast is going to be. Um, then again, I cannot say what role he will play because I would not know uh, the Eternals' backstory. But as long as he's a good actor, feeling a brilliant, as long we know he's a good actor, he will fill a good role and he'll play a good performance. Now it's just about to see what Kevin Feige wants to do with the cosmic universe, especially now that James Gunn is not being the head hunt show, let's say, on the cosmic universe. Anyway, so that is your update on um, the top five news feed. It wasn't top five, it was more like top four, I guess. Um, but I will make sure it is top five for um, next week anyway we will have loads to talk about from um, Star Wars Celebration um, talk, talking about the Mandalorian episode 9 the title We will. I will probably do a shot by shot analysis of the trailer hopefully no copyright strike YouTube algorithm do me good do me good that sounds that sounded wrong, I'm sorry I'm a cripple, that's my excuse. Next up, we move on to our discussion topics. So, I want to talk, today I want to talk about the, the future of the MCU and CinemaCon. Now CinemaCon, um, I will realistically go over the pieces where the people most care about, and that's the Disney stuff. Um, and and I will go over the big talking point from the Warner Brothers, which was the, the Joker trailer. Um, so first of all, um, we start off CinemaCon Cinema or the Disney panel. First of all, this is, this is me re reinterpreting, interpreting a second opinion. I was not there myself. I have just read what other people have said and from the likes of it alan horn from the get-go seemed to suggest that the that disney is fully embracing this fox merger and that fox searchlight which produces most of the oscar recent oscar nominated films is um is going to be under Disney and therefore it just proves all, all the film capital and is with Disney right now so that's that's my interpretation of what of what was said or what I read um from from what I also depict they also announced a lot of movies um they showed they didn't show or share any information about Star Wars, but that I guess we all knew because of how Star Wars Celebration is coming up this weekend. Um, and then Friday we're going to get the Episode 9 panel, which I guess where they're going to re reveal everything. But they showed a clip of, um, what do you call it, Avengers Endgame. I think it's the starting scene when... They're all talk, talking about what to do and Nebula reveals that he's gone somewhere. I won't spoil the actual context of everything was said. 
I think also the clip has been released online now. So if you want, if you don't want, if you want to be spoiled, I, j I just don't want to be called down in the comments for spoiling. But it is online, and I guess you'll find it if you just type in Avengers Endgame, CinemaCon scene, and then you'll find it. So apparently, it was, it was a, it was a clip saying or emphasising about how they very early on that the, the, they're going to go face on with Thanos and then it, it leads credence to the theory that Thanos won't be a major factor in the second and third acts and you're either going to have a major fight with Thanos in the first one or or that Thanos isn't even the villain in Avengers Endgame which I still think is a big possibility anyway moving and it shows the interactions between between the Avengers and Carol Danvers Captain Marvel as she comes to Earth of hearing of how Thanos nearly snapped half of the universe blah de blah de blah just really a sign of the star is probably at the start of the film and then again as I said it's probably some first art act fodder for you to get through now second of all um, Alan Horn then went oh then went over the MCU again but but then made it clear that So, 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 yeah, um, they showed the um, scene from Endgame, um, which was basically them showing the precursor to them fighting Thanos, which, as I said, shows Thanos to be probably not as relevant in the second and third acts. Then, going on furthermore to the uh, Disney presentation... Um, you had, they showed the first 15 minutes of, um, Toy Story 4, um, which was basically, um, that, can't remember her name, the toys are now in a situation where, um, they are with Andy's sister or something, I can't, can't remember the direct correlation, I can't exactly remember the ending of Toy Story 3, although they made a great point that, they f the 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 producer on Toy Story 4 said that they actually found it hard to come up with a story idea for 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 um or Toy Story 4. However, it was it was one person in the meeting, one of the higher ups at um, Pixar, suggested that not only did the Andy story finish in Toy Story 3. But the Toy Story hasn't finished, and that therefore this film wraps up Woody's story, Buzz's story, and how they all counteract, interact, and counteract. Then, then it was the first 15 minutes of Andy checking up on this girl. I can't remember the relation that he has to Andy. I think it's a sister or 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 a niece or something. Then. Um, you also had a flashback with Bo Pipe. Um, 
then it it just says it goes into flashback with Bowpipe, which I think would be is very interesting in how she is now back and a focal point of the story, and how it's really finishing up that love story chapter between her and Woody, which I think is just coming full circle and a rightfully deserved ending for Woody. Um, then you had all the guys from Fox saying they, they were gracious and they had Disney's backing and that not only was products like Alien coming over and stuff, which I am glad that they're continuing. They also mentioned James Cameron and how he will still have a very big influence on what's going to happen of course with the Avatar franchise and that they've now got Alien they've got Predator I think also no actually I'm not sure but they have got all these franchises that they can continue and the big takeaway from that is Alan Horn kept saying we will get more Deadpool we will get more Deadpool, and we will get more Deadpool, and that is just so refreshing to hear because the cultural impact that Deadpool has made, not only as a comedy but as a pop culture classic, is now just he will be Deadpool will even be remembered on the level by himself on the level of the Avengers, and I'm just glad that. Especially with how um, the current situation with Fox, X-Men and Marvel is that yes, the the X-Men will be slowly into, in, initiated or put into the MCU potentially at Phase 5 or even at the latest at Phase 6 because you never know how far Kevin Faggy as planned ahead but but finally um, the big talking point is that on a slide of Fox movies that Fox are producing um, it did emphasize that Deadpool will be a Fox movie and live outside of the X-Men and MCU bubble which I'm glad it will be so therefore we can still get that that pushed on r rated R Deadpool that we all love, that 1518 Deadpool, where it can push the boundaries of, let's say, potentially of having it in the MCU and having it having it being dumbed down to APG 13. Now at CinemaCon, also um, many many other products were mentioned. You, um. You, so you have the Toy Story 4 and how that looks to be marvellous. They showed more Aladdin and they showed a dancing scene and, and a musical scene. And from all accounts from what I'm hearing, um, Will Smith as the genie looks better than what he was presented as in the trailers. And that can only be a good sign because I think that I think... We all jumped on to the idea of Will Smith being the genie and how 
he looked awful in the trailer but without having seen it on a bigger screen or in actual context and now that the, the the media have seen it and we, and we have we have a reassurance that it can translate i am just happy for aladdin and i think it can definitely be a massive success considering the the drawing power of a will smith now um another film that everyone is talking about is um potentially an oscar contender i think it's a fox searchlight uh, picture motion picture which would suggest of how of the importance and the magnitude and how matt and how it stars matt damon basically i'm talking about the ford for ferrari and the le mans race and it, it's from from what i'm hearing the reaction was immense people were digging it up and people were really enjoying it and it was the first time anyone saw footage so therefore it was kept under wraps and that everyone seemed really really excited by it which now i I just hope a trailer comes out soon because i think any of the footage that they will show at cinemacon will slowly and i mean very slowly uh leak out as they did with avengers and probably as they will do with what I'm about to talk next with Aladdin and um, Lion King. I so as as you've already mentioned, I think the big take to, um, takeaway point from the whole event was the Lion King scene and how it literally brought some people in the room apparently to tears and i'm going to say that in quotation marks because we've heard that with many films before test screenings um journalist previews that it brought a certain audience to a certain emotion but it's CinemaCon. there were people there to verify that it happened there was probably every photographic evidence or video evidence and this and the fact that apparently Disney have reaffirmed that the lion, that most of the CG, like 95% of the CG is done, but the film isn't completely done, shows to how the beautiful quality of how John Favreau can get it right again, going from the Jungle Book now straight into the Lion King, and this just reaffirms my point that the Lion King now may have the chance to be a two billion dollar film you heard me right at the start of the year i would have said of course i would say lion king lion king makes 1.5 billion without seeing any footage but now having seen the reaction to the footage and hopefully the footage comes out soon because we are a few months we are a few months away now i really do think that this film could eclipse 2 billion and i i will still and I will make a bold prediction that I do not know if it's going to make more than Avengers. But I definitely do know that considering on the way that Star Wars is going. And considering the Star Wars fandom right now. I would say The Lion King has a chance or probably will make more money than Star Wars Episode 9. Avengers is still a toss up. But I would give it now more than ever more of a chance to be the number one box office of 2019. And I think, um, apart from 
So basically the main four takeaway points are Ford vs Ferrari, um, Toy Story 4, like Avengers Endgame clip, and um, and Aladdin, and how Will Smith is transitioning better to be a to be Aladdin. Also, you have um, what do you call it? Um, the Lion King, which has had one of the best reactions, and apparently it was a t tearjerker. And apparently, the reactions that they wanted more, which can only be seen as a good thing. Um, and yeah, so that's mainly my wrap up of my interpretation of the news from the Disney panel. And I think the only other major news from CinemaCon is Warner Brothers, I will say. Um, first of all, that we got the Joker trailer. And then we, we got a better picture of where the DCU's coming from, especially with... Uh, I d but mainly the main takeaway point was that um, uh, da, 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 do, 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 do. that um, the Joker trailer. What I loved about the Joker trailer, man, and it and it came out afterwards. But the Joker trailer, what I loved, it showed that the man. It didn't give any way of the story points. But it showed a man going from normality to a sense of a homicidal maniac. And then you can understand and you can see the mini timeline or the mini arc that he goes through just in the entire trailer. But we, we're just missing that context. And now I just... It looks creepy. It looks everything that I wanted out of a Joker film. And... It may not be be the Joker we wanted. It may not be the super aggressive Joker, but it may be the in-depth Joker, the emotional Joker. And I, I, I'm gonna say this from everything that I've heard and everything I've seen. Although it's only a trailer, and we all know that bad movies have good trailers, and re and no, really bad movies have really good trailers, and, re and sometimes bad movies have really good movies have bad trailers that's what i'm trying to say but from the first impressions that we've had joaquin phoenix yet again in this episode appears but only for a good reason and i just think that it's a shame that this will only be a standalone but then it opens up the possibilities of joker being completely insane and and i think you can definitely push it to maybe a rated R a real rated R film and that can only be exciting so um, that then that's my review of CinemaCon so that's discussion topic one done now we move on to discussion topic two which is um, which is which is which is Um, the future of the MCU. So, we know that there's Avengers Endgame, and then we know that there's Spider-Man Far Away From Home. In my opinion, pretty stupid because of how Far Away From Home directly follows Endgame, and if they pull the plot twist that um, Far Away From Home is before Endgame, I do not think that um, 
that that does any favors but then again it's kevin faggy's universe all pray to kevin faggy but um but the, then from what we know is that there are three films confirmed for the future of the mcu we know that an eternals movie is coming because we have now Kanil nanjiani and um angelina jolie on board but we don't know the rest of the cast it looks exciting and we know an, an eternals movie is coming up in phase four we also know that black panther 2 is coming because ryan coogler has signed on to do the sequel we also know we also know that we, with within the next few months a black widow movie is going into production and it's probably starting to shoot in may of this year which is exciting which would suggest that it would that because in 2020 uh, marvel have already locked up the dates in october and november for mcu releases and i would suggest that those two are black widow because that's going to production next month and Um, what you call it, Doctor Strange 2, which has already all also signed um, Scott Derrickson to come back, I think will likely be the November release date because the parallels of that that a few years ago come out in December, and I think because of his elevated role in Endgame, I think there is a necessity to further his story in need of him potentially becoming if one of the major players in the avengers dies him becoming the forefront of that avengers new group so yeah i think the future of the mcu is going to be um realistically um spider-man far away from home black widow And then Doctor Strange 2. Then I guess. Because we haven't heard any casting news. Or any production news. For Black Panther 2. So I, I so I think the schedule. Is going to go. Spider-Man Far Away From Home. After Endgame. Then Black Widow. Then Doctor Strange 2. Then Eternals. Then Black Panther 2. And then anything else. Down the side, bur down the side burner. Potentially another Ramp Man. Potentially. Uh, I, Iron Man Captain America. Depending on whether Bucky keep, uh, gets the role. Or, or Steve Rogers stays alive. Well. That's, an, that's a topic to now move on. Into our fat fanboy fanboy th theories basically fanboy theories is the section of the show where us nerds can talk about star wars harry potter marvel for t for the first episode i'm not going to talk about um harry potter because we haven't actually got news all um on fantastic beasts we, we we just know that the film's going into production so endgame theories and um, we will start with endgame because endgame is the most closest film to to the release date and i think we'll talk more about star wars we'll talk about star wars in today's episode 
with more in-depth analysis on the poster. But what I will say is that there is a whole week of Star Wars celebration yet to come to talk to talk about that. Now, um, what, what am I trying to say? Um, I know lovely sound effects. Um, so, Avengers Endgame. The main theory that I follow, I only follow two theories, and this first theory is a theory that I think has been growing lately within the circles that I, the forums and YouTube channels that I watch, and that I personally believe, that, or, or I just believe that, that in my mind it would be kind of cool, because I've alluded to this before with how I believe or I want actually I shouldn't set expectations because I'll only be disappointed but what I'm trying to say is that I want or no actually I don't I think that Thanos will not play a factor in the second or third acts with how there's already so so much of a focus in what we've been told in the first act and what we've seen from the first act that I just believe that they end up to at this place called I won't spoil it but the nebula says in the scene and that they un and they end up there that they meet Thanos they either fight Thanos or Thanos just says right the gauntlet's dead um, if you try and stop it you can do whatever you want I've just got my piece but you won't be able to stop it and then blah 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 that then they struggle that then it skips a few years Scott Lang shows up out of the quantum realm they go back and I just don't want to overemphasize the, the time aspect the time aspect of it and how that, that can be infinite possibilities and then if you solve a problem you you're causing another problem and i just think that there needs to be a boundary to the time traveling aspect of endgame but i know it's going to happen because that's the only way that they can kind of address the issue um then another th theory is who i think should die who i think will die rather i do think that one of the major players within either Thor actually we don't know if another Thor's movie is happening but because of Chris Hemsworth's pop popularity I would guess so I would either say Iron Man I know this has been repeated all, all throughout the internet I do think that Iron Man or or Captain America d do die but I also see potentially a Nebula dying I could see a Hawkeye dying I can't see Black Widow dying she's got a movie coming up um, I can see, I can, s then the supporting characters of Wasp causing emotional damage to, and then causing for another Ant-Man film, because I think Ant-Man does deserve, deserves a third film because of how good the first two are. The second one didn't do as great, but that's understandable because it came right after Infinity War and then Endgame came 
was going to come straight after it. So I think Ant-Man and the Wasp came in a really weird situation. And I felt sorry for it more than anything else. But I've got Captain America, Iron Man dying. And I've got Thanos not actually being the villain of... No, or not all... I'm not saying the villain. I'm, I'm saying that it's going to be a non-factor within the second and third acts. So that those are my two MCU theories. And then... My, moving on to Star Wars. How do they wrap up this trilogy? <sighs> Hopefully they don't do the the Kylo Redemption arc. Because if they do the Kylo Ren, Ren, Redemption arc. It just says to me that this trilogy was or especially under JJ's. Um, and that's why I love The Last Jedi. Because they were... Although people didn't, I did, I understand the people for didn't like it, and that's your opinion if you didn't like it. But I liked it personally, and I don't think we should hate each other for it. And the, and that's how the Star Wars community got over the last twelve months has been to, so toxic. However, I do believe that, or or me personally, that the Last Jedi, although it made mistakes, I'm not gonna lie. It was a breath of fresh air from the typical Star Wars film under JJ, and then it, then it, then again you can say the same thing for Han Solo, Han Solo, like because they followed a formula. And the thing is, like, what I can appreciate about Rogue One and to some, no, um, Last Jedi and to some extent Rogue One is that they took another aspect. They didn't have to retell a story. They didn't have to re-go to character. Like, yes, I know, I know The Last Jedi is the continuation of the Skywalker trilogy in some sense, but the way that it was gone about was different, and that's what I appreciate. And I do and I do think that the ending to Luke's arc was merited and had some and was the right place to end his story, as in he had completely fulfilled his arc from the start of the film to the end of the film. And really his arc from episode 4 right up into episode 8. So personally it would have been nice to see him fight Kylo Ren in lightsaber to lightsaber in episode 9. But it wasn't to be and I just think it was a right end to his story arc. And yeah. Um, so episode 9. I really don't think they're going to do the, do the redemption angle. I don't think they're that stupid. Um, I do think that Rey ends up somehow being the the ultimate Jedi and rebuilding some type of Jedi Order to bring stability all back. Um, I do think that that the First Order will be destroyed, but then again, it's a constant cycle with Star Wars. So if they ever do the Episode 10, 11, 12, which I think they will do at some point, um. That it, it will just be about the remnants of the Empire, the First Order, coming back and coming back and coming back. Which I think is, dan is a dangerous loop for Star Wars because how do you start off a trilogy in Star Wars? You start off with something bad. And in Star Wars, there is a very limited options on how you can, unle unless you're going to somewhere like the Old Republic or a new set or a new trilogy in itself with um the ryan johnson trilogy 
all the Game of Thrones guys and their trilogy, which I hope one of them is about the Old Republic, because the Old Republic has got so much mythology and so much lore to get into that would be fantastic for a whole trilogy. But I do think that Rey does end up as Master Jedi of some kind with Luke's guidance. Um, I do think... Actually, for me, I think Oscar... Um, I mean, Poe Dameron and his arc is interesting. I think the whole storyline between the love triangle between Rey... <laughs> between Rey, Finn and Rose is interesting. And... But... I don't think we can theorise until we've seen that first trailer on Friday. And therefore, I wanted to keep the star... Star Wars brief, although I will say people like um, potentially a Billy D. Williams coming back. I, I, I honestly think that he might have a major impact because you've got to go back over of what he's relived ever since episode six. So that so that so that'll be story ex explaining and then but I think I think you can definitely see that also also Carrie Russell's character probably going to be used as a bounty hunter to find the likes of Ray, to find the likes of John Boyega, um, Finn I mean, and he's probably going to be interacting with Finn in a storyline. And but and and it's a shame for Carrie Russell's character because I've got a fear, think, uh, touch wood, fingers crossed, that she doesn't become a new Captain Phasma that ultimately gets killed at, at the end of the movie. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that doesn't happen. And I think we should theorise about Star Wars Episode 9 later in the week once we get more details about it. Um, so, um, can, so fi final section of the 150 reel on, on this really awkward and all over the place episode. Um, I promise you Episode 2 will be a calmer I, at least. Yeah. Um, so we will finish with the box office report and box office preview. Um, um, in this space, I will what I will add some background music to soothe your pains, I guess. Um, do 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 do. Um, box office mojo. Shout out to them. Um, why did I? Box office mojo. Do 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 do. I will print screen. So, um, do do, um, do 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 um, can I? So, um, I will say that the weekend actuals is so this is the official weekend box office. Your top, um, your top five with with the br the brand new opening and 53 million which is a bit underpaced for Shazam although Shazam will get traction and it will get a better second week and i think the reason why it got about a sec uh, back, like uh, underperformed on the first week although it did brilliantly although it's getting brilliant word of mouth brilliant rotten tomatoes brilliant cinema score i just think that people do not know enough about Shazam, and I think the word of the mouth will carry it into its second week. 
So I don't think there's anything to worry about Shazam in its first week. Um, Pet Cemetery. I'm not a fan of horror and quick disclaimer. On 150 Reel you will never get a horror film review. Because I am chronically scared of horror films. I know for a future film pundit that doesn't put me in good stead. But I am a P. I am a scaredy cat. Hashtag scaredy cat. Good, good merch idea. Well, so you got Pet Cemetery um, making 24 million, which for a, a hyped-up Stephen King horror film is quite kind of surprising. Um, and then again, then again with Shazam, it's kind of the same situation. Got good, got got good reviews, although my friends personally um, don't say it's good. But then again, that, that that's their opinion. But on a general audience-wide. It's been well appreciated. Um, so yeah. Um, and it was just about I think Pet Cemetery. I think the big thing that did it is that people are still old enough to remember the original incarnation, which I don't think does it any favors. But and it and that. But I will say that it's a bit disappointing considering. The successes of previous horror films. Then you have Dumbo staying strong in its second week by Aver- by Do-do-do. um by um 18 million, which is a 60% decrease. Which I wouldn't say is bad, or I wouldn't say is good, but mm, it's all right. It's it's you you'd want for a film success you'd want at least maximum a 45% drop week by week but to it's it, it's total gross so far is 76 million which i don't think is actually that bad um now now then you got us the massive success by um, Jordan Peele, his second instalment. I wouldn't say second instalment, but second go around directing. I haven't seen it. Then again, it's a horror film. I don't like horror films. What do you expect? Although my mum did go see it, and she said, and she said, if you you're into like those weird shenanigans, you will love this film. So trust my mum on that. She's awesome. Shout out, mum. You're listening. Um, but um, then you've got Captain Marvel coming in at the fifth spot, making twelve million. And for your third week, that's pretty good, I will say. Like in total, that is a thirty-nine percent drop. So it's dropping steadily, but it's still. And I think. Globally, it's already past 1 billion, and <sighs> Captain Marvel's a success. It's now how much success can it get within its potential six-week run? And you've still got maybe three, three, three to four weeks of whole international success, success for Captain Marvel. And the thing is, we may be at a point where Shazam, Captain Marvel, and in and Endgame are in cinemas at the same time, showing the growth of the comic book movie genre 
and proving the comic book fatigue is not a real thing. Anyway, um, these are my box office predictions for um, the, the week to come. I expect Shazam to have a twenty, have a thirty percent drop. Uh, but I, but I would actually, I'm I'm gonna go for Shazam to do a um, Greatest Showman and increase by ten percent next week, like because I think the word of mouth will carry it to potentially having somewhere around 40 to f so only like a a five percent drop but i do believe that it will drop steadily as every movie does but i don't i don't, I don't want it to drop to a level like a dumbo that's dropped automatically 60 percent which because dumbo's a mixed reviewed film um yeah so i would definitely um predict um shazam to do well i predict pet cemetery to stay around the same or even worse because if the audience isn't turning out because of the reasons i stated then why would they turn out for the second week um then dumbo i expect to drop even more i think out, out of all the remakes it will make the less money because i don't think there was a demand for a dumbo remake you could argue for an Aladdin remake. You could, you can argue for Lion King remake. But I don't think you could make such a case for a Dumbo remake. That that's only my opinion. But as it's a flying cute elephant, anything goes nowadays. And on that note, um, this has been 150 Real, a crappy mo movie podcast, hosted by Quibble Two. A movie podcast hosted by a cripple. I can't believe you just sat through that. Bye-bye.